0: Feel the power of the Wazoo tremble and cow from the Wazoo Mole. <laughs> White metal burn of the Wazoo no, Mole. Come straight up perm. It's a Wazoo mullet. Oh, my
1: God. Craig.
0: That was just for you, buddy.
1: That was just for me. The people don't know this. Should I, should I explain? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So... Uh, First of all, welcome to Podcast for Everyone. That's the part Craig normally
0: does. Oh yeah, welcome to Podcast versus Everyone. I'm Craig Powers. With me is Jeff Newser, who's going to tell yeah. you what the hell that song was all about.
1: Yeah, and we are, by the way, you, you can probably tell from the quality of the audio, we are back to uh, recording from separate locations. As I am in HQ East from the basement of my house, and Craig is in HQ West from I don't know your living room, your your office.
0: Yeah, my office.
1: office my office uh yeah so okay so that song so people who have seen pictures of us when i'm um when i when we're recording live together on the on my computer there's a sticker that says fif which is uh, for a band named five iron frenzy and they have a song called the phantom mullet and craig just went on a riff with the phantom mullet for liam ryan and craig i don't know that i've ever been more Um, I've, I don't know that I've ever felt more affection for you as a friend than I do right now.
0: Yeah. Sorry. I couldn't do like the, uh, the, the pop punk voice, but, uh, that's, it was really
1: good. That was really good though. Like, (laughs) like I told, like, like I knew it right away what that was and uh yeah yeah I'm, I'm beaming i'm beaming over here at hq east
0: well truly i, I just I, I looked for songs about mullets and then i saw five iron frenzy and i was like <laughs> gotta do it that is one the best
1: song mullets, for sure it's not even close not even close well hey how's it going
0: good uh are you drinking anything
1: i am i am so should we talk beer before we start talking uh the non-news day that is the uh the pac-12 media day
0: yeah let's do that on
1: news. all right so i am since i am day drinking so people don't know this but it is about 3 30 on wednesday afternoon so that means that means we're day drinking uh so for day drinking today i picked up a uh Crux Citrus Plaidlands, which is a grisette ale. And I believe you've talked about grisettes before. Um, And this one is a nice, hearty 3.7% alcohol, which makes it a... I know, right? I, I better, I better be careful here, uh, but it does make it a, a sort of a perfect um, day drinking beer. So, so yeah, it's uh, it's good. It's you know, it's it's funny. So I, I don't remember exactly what you said about grisettes before, but um, it's it's kind of both citrusy and weedy, and um, and it's interesting. It's it's interesting. So yeah, I dig it.
0: So yeah, a grisette is like a light wheat saison essentially.
1: Okay. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah, that makes so. sense. Yeah. So it's good. I like it. You know, a good. Good little midday beer.
0: All right. Out of, out of five mullets, uh, five what would you mullets. give that beer?
1: This is like three and a half mullets. Like it's good. I would drink it again. It's not great. If that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. That makes but sense. it's good. Like for what it is like, you know, like a light, easy drinking, like I said, daytime beer. Um, it'd, it'd be really good. Like, you know, sitting next to the pool on a nice hot day and, and those kinds of beers are, they, they do have value.
0: They absolutely do. I'm actually, uh, <laughs> I'm going to, uh, Tacoma defiance game this evening and we have these tickets where you're like on a party deck and it, it comes with like unlimited Coors light essentially. Oh,
1: yeah. oh So yeah. I'm
0: not, I'm not going to turn it down. And that, that's, that's even, I think you know, it's coming in. Right around what, on alcohol wise, what you're drinking, yeah. Um, so I'm gonna be putting a, back a few of those, uh, because hey, they came with the ticket, and I, I, I'm not one to turn that down. I'm not gonna go spend nine bucks on a beer when I get yeah. a free one, yeah.
1: Yeah, you are gonna be making about 28 trips to the bathroom, though.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, it's, yeah, I gotta stay hydrated, and yeah, Cooper's Light will do that for you.
1: That is true. Excellent. That is true. What about you? What are you drinking?
0: So, um uh, you were over at my house on Saturday, I I had a, a, my family was out of town. I had a beer share, uh, just with a few, no, not a big one, but just a, a few people. Um, uh, one of the, my friends that came over was, uh, um, she works at Pine Defiance. Her name is Sarah. It's a beer bar in Tacoma. Um, and, uh, she actually brought over a couple beers, that she was like, these are for you. We're not going to share these. These are just for you. And I was like, oh, thank you. Uh, one of them is, uh, both were from Vermont. She knows I used to live in Vermont. So um, she apparently had picked up a couple beers from Vermont. But one of them was uh, is from Foam Brewers. Uh, Foam Brewers is in Burlington, Vermont, which is the largest city in Vermont which, uh, means that it has 45,000 people in it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um,
0: but it's a fairly, it's a, it's a cool college town. Uh, I love living there. Um, it's very walkable and, uh, they have their, uh, downtown is, um, Burlington's downtown is, uh, designed by the same person who designed, uh, Pearl street in Boulder. So, um, it's pedestrian friendly and all this stuff, and but uh, Foam Brewers it actually came about after I lived in Vermont, um, so they're a pretty new brewery. And but they're right down on the waterfront in Burlington. They have a great location. I've actually been back there um, when I went back for a wedding uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, they had a great, really cool tap room. It's uh, designed by um, the same guy that apparently designs the Fish. Uh, concert uh, sets. So uh, Fish is obviously a band from Vermont with one of those bands with very obsessive fans and, and yes. a very sort of unique thing. I never met so many like fish heads as I did when I was in Vermont. Um, I, I had a lot of people who moved there because of Fish. So I had a lot of fried friends that were kind of loved Vermont because of uh, Fish. But but anyway, so this beer... So. Foam. Uh, uh, they do. Uh, they do kind of like that standard uh, new brewery game, is a lot of hazy IPAs, some pilsners, some sours. You know, uh, they'll barrel age some things. So they they do kind of the you know the trendy beers. And and one of the um, and this is this one particular one is a hazy double IPA, um, and it is called Youth Lagoon. Which if you just look at the label. And um, I'll treat out a picture of it at some point. But uh, if you look at the label, it's uh, really hard to figure out what the beer is called. And on, on the side, like it, once you kind of look at it, you kind of figure out. Oh, though, there's the letters. Um, it's made by an artist called, and I looked it up on Instagram um, by an artist called Will Gibbard. And if you look him up on Instagram uh, at W I L L underscore G E B H It it's definitely fits with his aesthetic. But the funny thing is, I was trying to figure out what this beer was, and on the side it says Burlington, Vermont, keep cold, drink fresh, time kills art. So, um, what I noticed, so I searched time kills art, and I noticed that a lot of people, like, there, there isn't, there's actually, um, uh, a beer for on untapped and in beer advocate with the same uh can art that people have put in as time kills art because they obviously could not figure out what the label said that it was called <laughs> the Lagoon. Uh-huh. um the reason I the reason I figured it out because this had very few the time kills art had very few check-ins, which didn't make sense to me. I only had like 20. And with an IPA that it should and with an IPA that was released about a month ago, like it should have more than 20 check-ins. So I uh I uh I, I just went on a, a foam's um Instagram until I could find the beer and saw it was called Youth Lagoon. Uh and I scrolled through. It seems they release it about every two months. Um and uh it's just, you know, your hazy IPA with like your um, kind of uh tropical fruit flavors. Um, the foam I've had, the foam beers I've had before, are probably had a little more body, the hazy IP. So this is probably more like a a northwest, like a, a, you could probably close your eyes and think this was like a Skookum beer or
1: uh-huh.
0: something like that. Um, so it's definitely got a little bit more bitterness, and it's funny I was reading some of the Untapped reviews, and uh, some of the uh, Haze Bros were complaining about that, but it still has pretty good ratings overall, and it's very solid. It's got a great great nose on it, um, very uh, fruity, um, tropical fruit. Um, uh, it's nice. nice. Uh, you, you know I love the grapefruit in there, and a little bit of a bitter backbone, not a ton. It's got a nice resinous feel to it. Um, but yeah, so all in all, very good beer. Um, I'll give it four out of five mullets. Uh, um, I highly recommend if you're ever in Burlington, Vermont, for whatever reason to check them out, uh, it's a really cool tap room. Um, they are called Foam Brewing, and when, so they live up to that name. When they pour their beer in their tap room, um, they have it, it's got a little like extra head on everything and like they do something when they pour it so that you get this like really nice thick layer of head on there. Um, so, you know, every beer you get does have this foam on the top. So it's pretty cool. That's pretty consistent too. So there must be something they do um, with the CO2 or something, but it's, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool brewery. Um, I, if, if it had existed when I lived in Burlington, which I would have been able to walk there in about 15 minutes, um, I probably would have spent, a ton of money and time there. So um I'm not sure if it's good or bad since considering I was in grad school and didn't have a lot of money. Um <laughs> I'm not sure if it's good or bad that it was not there when I was there. Yeah, um,
1: probably, yeah good. Probably, probably good. Probably
0: good. Probably good. But yeah, so that's what we're drinking, man. But uh let's talk about some nonsense. I I, I feel like it's time to talk about nonsense.
1: Yeah, nonsense. I mean it's Pac 12 media day, singular one day this year, right? As opposed to uh, multiple days they've done in the past years, thank, which
0: thank the media gods.
1: Yeah, and they, you know, it's it's funny because like there were people who were like, hey man, typical Pac-12, you know, like everybody else is doing two days and you're only doing one, and I'm like, people, <laughs> like, like, do you really need two days? Like, what? I, I mean, I guess maybe for the SEC and the ACC who have 14 teams, does the Big Ten also have 14 teams? yes the camera. yes okay so if you've got 14 teams maybe but or no, man, 16 or no 14. no no 14 nobody's gotten 16 yet we we could talk about that on another podcast but the whole 16 team thing that we almost had or seemingly almost had but um oh, they
0: have two affiliate members that's why that I was thinking, but yeah, go ahead.
1: Anyway, it's, it's just, you know, maybe with, I could see with 14 teams, you'd be like, yeah, it's just necessary to split into two days. But as someone who has, I've never been down to media day, but, or media days, but, um, as someone who has covered them every summer for the last like 11 years from afar, Um, I can say with a high degree of confidence that there is absolutely no point to having a two day, having a two day, uh, media, you know, bonanza on these things. There's just not enough. I mean, there's just, there's not enough to say there's not enough to do. I mean, it's just whatever they use. I mean, the last couple of years, the PAC 12 sort of filled those secondary days with, um, you know, basically like they would have the players play games or, or something. You yeah. Know, I mean, they would just like, they, they would just, you know, kind of like you put it earlier. I mean, it was just nonsense. They would have the players do nonsense. Um, so, you know, in lieu of that kind of garbage, you know, filling up the the time instead, we just, you know, like they, they do a little quick car wash where, you know, the coach and the players, Uh, appear on um, TV. The players do a little media session. The coach does a little media session at the podium and then, you know, you get on with it. So, and you know, the players, I know there's a bunch of other stuff too, that goes on a lot. Maybe a lot of fans don't know about, but you know, the players get their, their pictures taken. They shoot promos for PAC 12 network, you know, stuff like that. So whenever you're watching PAC 12 network and, You know, they get a player on who says, you know, it's in, you know, it's October and, you know, Peyton Palur comes on your screen and is like, you're watching Pac-12 Network, home of the Washington State Cougars. Well, they record all that garbage down at, you know, media day. So anyway, it's just, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I think they did a lot of that stuff yesterday when the players got there. And, you know, yeah, so just one day is fine. Just get it over with because frankly, very little of substance comes out of the day anyway.
0: Yeah. Um I definitely saw on Instagram, you know, they you, you saw um uh, the two players that are down there Liam Ryan and Jihad Woods. And yes. and uh you saw them in kind of full pads and 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 uh uniforms. Uh they had them in the all crimson, which was um an interesting choice. Um so probably this looks looks best on the promos or something. Probably. But uh but um yeah, so yeah, they you saw them recording those promos and stuff and uh you know, obviously it's going to be great all year watching the uh, Liam Ryan with that mullet in that promo. It's going to be excellent.
1: Yeah, that was I predicted uh yesterday that the number one storyline for WSU out of Media Day would be their hair between Jihad Woods and and Liam Ryan. Um, and I wasn't wrong. That was Yeah. Yeah, who Guy yeah. Who ran
0: a national
1: story yep. on it. Yep, and ran a national story on Liam Ryan's mullet. So, you know, good for him. We had the mustache last year. We've got the mullet this year. The only thing we're really missing is the mullet with the mustache.
0: Yeah, so um, during the uh, pac of media, obviously, so both of you and I were trying to, you know, catch some of it, and uh, uh, there was a problem with the stream. So when they actually had the press conference with Mike Leach, That was not seen, Um, but uh, they did. They did. Mike Yam and uh, Yogi Roth were doing uh, these kind of fifteen-minute sit-down interviews with the coaches and players. WSU was unique in that they had uh, Leach and the players at the same time.
1: Yeah, that uh, would explain that would explain why they didn't have a fifth mic. And Woods and Ryan were passing the microphone back and forth, which I thought was hilariously. Which terrible from from our
0: podcast uh, last week with right. flat Stick, we know that's very difficult.
1: <laughs> yes, but we also don't have you know tens of millions of dollars in our budget either. So yep.
0: yeah, so Anyway, forgive us. Yeah, um, but yeah, but yeah. So um, yeah, they didn't have enough uh, mics uh, in that. That was a uh, as I said to you a whole lot of nothing. Uh, probably my uh, favorite part was that Leach called uh, Liam Ryan's mullet a millennial mullet which I which kind of fits because he's got those kind of shaved sides and like and that's that's kind of the millennial haircut that yeah is, I, I have it myself uh, with the kind of shaved cut down sides with the the uh, longer top and then and then he's got the mullet coming out of it so it's definitely a modernized mullet but it, it, it is very much a mullet um
1: and I, according to according to to Yahoo they also he also let the soccer team bleach it which always a good idea to let girls do that for you. Oh yeah. It's a great way to be like, Oh yeah, sure, girls, you can bleach my hair and there you go.
0: And and it almost and pretty much never works out the way you think it does.
1: No, going. no, it doesn't. But that's sort of part of the charm of this mullet is that it's pretty terrible. Yeah. Um, which is what makes it great. So so I'm um, yeah, yep. that
0: so uh non mullet stuff, uh from that from that interview, it was uh, a whole lot of uh, nothing, as I said. Um, I'll pull up my notes, which were... As they uh,
1: typically are. <laughs> uh, pretty
0: much nothing, my note. Uh, the, they asked about... Uh, uh, Roth and Yam asked about the quarterback battle. And obviously, uh, so they asked... First they asked uh, uh, Liam what, what what he thought. And he's like, well, I haven't really worked with them because they've been doing seven-on-seven drills and the offensive linemen aren't, aren't there um, right. So actually, you know, Jahab Woods has worked with them. And, you know, of course, he just said, like, they're all good. That that's up to Leach. You know, and so what Leach said is, you know, and more more very important things. The biggest thing is who can move the offense most effectively. Um, he talked about leadership as well, but that was my favorite line. The guy who can move the offense most effectively. But actually right. the one the one thing that was mildly interesting. Is that he said we do need to select a guy and invest the raps or else we'll successfully make everybody average. So I'm guessing around like by the time fall camp starts, we'll we'll be able to see who they've picked as uh, the number one guy. Um, if if that's Leach's uh, you know state of mind regarding that.
1: Well, if we look back to last year, if I remember right, it took a good couple of weeks before. I think before Minshew started to sort of separate himself, and we started right. to kind of see it, that that's who it was going to be.
0: It wasn't very obvious. Yeah, uh, we, were kind and of, want, we kind of guessed it would be him, but it it wasn't obvious.
1: Yeah, we did a little bit of you know the reading of the tea leaves in terms of you know what Leach was saying and kind of what the reports were coming out of practice. Um, and, and I think that the you know I think just the simple uh you know axiom I don't know if it's an axiom but just the the simple logic applies that you know if you've recruited a grad transfer you you probably recruited him for a reason right so right um so you know I mean I think there's all that I you know I if I remember right last year I think Minshew was sort of uh cemented as the number one guy with about two weeks to go into the into Wyoming if I remember right I could be wrong on that but that seems about right in my head Um, you know, two weeks of, of really leading, getting the majority of the reps, you know, those kinds of things, um, all seem to be, that's what it seemed to be if I remember right. So that gives us, you know, a couple of weeks of, uh, you know, who's doing what I I really do think it's going to, I mean, I I think Gabrud is, is the leader just because of what I just said. And we, we've talked about this on the show before. Um, but I do think it's going to come down to him and Gordon and, you know, I think with a couple of weeks to go, then they'll be able to to really narrow it down and and really kind of focus in on on Gabrud, who again I'd be I've said before, I'd be fairly shocked if he's not the guy. So
0: Yeah. Um we've obviously we've I think we've talked we've spent a lot of time talking about the quarterback situation on this podcast. And I'm sure we'll talk about
1: it again in a couple of weeks. So we probably don't need to <laughs> probably don't need
0: to dive and
1: into again that. a couple of weeks after that.
0: Yeah. And, yeah. You know. So um uh, I know you and I have both kind of skimmed and read over the uh the, the transcript tr- of yeah, the transcript. obviously cuz we couldn't see it um it was it the the Pac12 media um media uh capabilities could not broadcast uh, Mike Leach's press conference to us. Even Oh my God.
1: Can we, can we talk about that for just a second? Just the yes. disaster of PAC 12 yes, networks. Yeah, okay. Was... So, so we're, wa- so we're watching this, right? And so, like we said, there was the the TV interview portion and then the actual podium time, which is where all the reporters who have traveled there get to ask their questions. And, and that's partly why there's not a lot of um, interesting things that get said by Leach um during that podium time is because that's the time when all these were the reason for media day really i mean other than to promote the conference i mean the main reason why it exists in the first place Is simply because uh, you know all of these reporters come to one place. All the coaches are there, a whole bunch of players are there, and they ask questions um, that they will use for stories all year long. So they're not just like you know writing stories about the media day. They are getting information that you know. So like when I mean I don't know like when WSU plays, we play UCLA this year, right? When WSU plays UCLA, you know the LA Times guy will ask. Well, okay, here's here's a perfect example. The Colorado reporter asked. Uh, asked Leach about LaVisca Chanel. And it's like, well, like why? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, well, because he needs information for a story on LaVisca Chanel, right? It'll probably be his later, you know, whatever. Okay. So that's why the, these interviews are sort of, not all that informative, especially for, um, for fans of the team, because they're not, most of the questions aren't coming from guys who cover people who cover, you know, the the Cougars. So, okay. So the TV portion, they do like 15 minutes. Um, so about, I don't know, five minutes or so into the TV portion, um, some random music starts up
0: yeah, for- the the the, the pack I mean, twelve we, like going to commercial music, right?
1: Going to commercial music, and then it disappears, right, during somebody's answer. Okay, great, good job, pack twelve. And then about I don't know thirty seconds after that, sixty seconds after that, the sound cuts out, and the I, I believe the picture even froze for a few seconds, but you could, but the ticker was still moving, which is how I knew it wasn't my stream that was frozen. And then the mouth started moving again, but there was no sound and then the sound came back. So there was that. And then about, I don't know, a minute after that, somebody, I think it was leech was in the middle of a response and then it just cut off and they went to commercial. (laughs) So that happened. Then they came back from commercial as if nothing had happened. Right. And I'm like, are they starting the interview over? Are they just continuing? Like they didn't even acknowledge that like what had happened before, like it even happened. Right. Let's just pretend nothing happened. So then they, uh, then they, they finish out the interview and I'm looking over and there's the live stream for the podium session. And I'm like, okay, that's what I actually want to watch. Cause that's where, again, the reporters ask, you know, semi interesting questions and maybe you get some nuggets of information, uh, for about 40 minutes while I had it on, it said, you know, something like press conference upcoming. Um, and it just sat there and I knew they were doing, you know, interviews with coaches at that point. And then I went back to PAC 12.com. They had taken that link down off Their website and i'm like well shoot so like the whole like uh mike leach uh podium time didn't get streamed so i didn't get any of that and then about you know i don't know 20 minutes after that the stream starts up and guess who's on my stream
0: chris peterson
1: chris peterson oh how lovely to get my stream up and running just in time for Chris Peterson to say something stupid, which I guess we'll get to in a little bit, but um, yeah, I just was uh, was just so very PAC 12 network. And I think somebody, somebody who responded to some of my tweets about it said, uh, you know, that he doesn't believe there's a conspiracy against WSU, but it's stuff like that that makes him think, well, I can kind of understand why some people do. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. So,
0: so, Thankful thankfully ASAPsports.com.
1: Thank God pro- for ASAP Sports.
0: Provides um uh, transcriptions of these uh interviews or, or the or these uh media sessions. So we actually have everything that Leach said, uh, provided they took it down correctly, which I'm sure it, it they did. Um so we have interviews of or we have all the words, um so Uh, you, have read through that. What, what, what'd you find? What, What nuggets did you find most interesting?
1: Uh, you know, the, the one response that I found the most interesting, they're the ones where, um, Leach wants to expand and not on, um, not on things like where's a good place for a first date, but stuff like football related things. Um, he had a cool response to, uh, somebody asked, um, about running an air raid offense, and he kind of went into this thing. He says, well, I think there's several branches. Well, the question was, is it a West Coast thing to still run an air raid offense? And Leach said, well, I think there's several branches. It's funny you get these offenses. It always seems like the run and shoot was the most aggressive with it. It was like a religion. Some of these people act like these offenses are religions. It's not the true run and shoot. You didn't do it like the true run and shoot. Did they get a first down? Did they score? Who cares? They did the same thing with the West Coast offense. And he talks about, he says, you know, it's like, obviously that's ridiculous. He said, some things called the West coast offense nowadays has Bill Walsh rolling over in his grave. I promise you, you know, so basically he just said, you know, as far as the air raid, I've always visualized the air raid and I gave it the name when Bob lamb came walking through with that siren. But I mean, just spread it out, attack the whole field, get it in everybody's hands. There's a lot of ways to do that. You can even effectively do it on the ground. Chip Kelly style is some of that. You need to have some core beliefs on what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. Otherwise you're just a mishmash of concepts. So I, you know, I think when it, it, it's just interesting, cause he's just like, you know, I mean, you, you know what you're good at, you repeat it. And the philosophy is we're going to spread the field and we're going to have lots of people touch the ball. And it's just that for Leach, that, that philosophy plus the, the, you know, sort of the set of plays that he's chosen to do that, you know, form the air raid. And he's just like, you know, whatever it is, is basically he's, he's sort of interesting in that he says, you know, there's, there's more than one way to get there. Um, he says, you know, there's no true air raid, at least not the way I see it, not the way I've been involved with it. You're just trying to move the ball. I don't think there's a true anything. And he says, I'm not real dogmatic about this is the air raid and this isn't. So I don't know. I just, I love answers like that. Um, cause they're the sort of thing that give a little insight into his way of thinking. And, um, so those kinds of answers are pretty fun. I think, I think the rest of it's pretty, uh, whatever kind of take it or leave it. But, you know, I think he said we need to keep improving about. 22 different times during this which you know he always says and you know he's always going to be on message with uh particularly with stuff that might get back to his players
0: yeah um there was really only one like um attempt to get a leech answer and that was the have you had a chance to walk down hollywood boulevard before yeah um, that my it's just it, interesting part to me was like he says, if you haven't eaten at Musso and Frank's, go eat there. First of all, they have every menu item you could ever possibly conceive of, which, man, when I want when I know I want to go to a restaurant and think it's going to be good is when the <laughs> menu is so
1: That's big right.
0: that they just have everything you could think yeah, of. Like
1: going to the Cheesecake like, Factory.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why go get one thing? Why 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 to go to a restaurant that does one thing really well when you could just have a restaurant that does everything kind of shitty? Like what? Why not?
1: Yeah, yeah. Like everything. Let's do or maybe even it just everything's above average. I mean, yay. I don't know though. It's like reminds me of when I was a kid and my grandparents used to always take us to the uh, the uh, old country buffet because everybody gets a little bit of something that they like.
0: Well, yeah, with kids, it's a whole different thing. Though. You know, you got to you got to be like, please just have the one thing my kid will eat. And yeah, we're, we're already true. getting in. We're already getting into that with B, you know, that it's just like.
1: Well, good news uh, for you. Good news for you. Just about every place on the planet has chicken strips.
0: Yep. And she loves those. So that, that's all that matters. <laughs>
1: That's right. But
0: yeah. So um, I didn't put this in the itinerary. But, uh, I, I kind of, cause I kind of forgot to, but, uh, so WSU was picked fourth in the Pac-12 North, Yeah, uh, which is kind of where they're tip, typically slotted, <laughs> uh, fourth or fifth is where they usually are in the predictions. Um, I think 2016 was probably, the only, or 2017 was probably the only exception. I think they got up to third that year. They did. And that, and that was the, uh, the year they actually finished that in third, um, but yeah, so uh, so fourth, they got one first place vote, and I'd love to find out who that is. I would too. And that person actually that? picked them to win the Pac-12 title game too. So
1: yeah,
0: so I like that person. I want, yeah. I want, I want them to be right. I so very want them to be right.
1: I think if I was so so first of all, I mean, let me throw it back to you for a sec. If if you were picking the Pac-12 North, where would you slot WSU?
0: I mean, I probably slot him third.
1: That's what I would too. Ahead of Stanford.
0: Ahead of Stanford, I I see no reason why Stanford. I mean, other than it being Stanford and us being WSU, why right. Stanford would be above WSU?
1: Okay, so if I'm if I'm thinking why that is, I'm my guess would be it's the quarterback. Yep. Right. Yeah, that's, so people that's what think and people like Costello for some reason. And uh, people don't know what WSU has coming, which so then to kind of flip it back around, here's here's my reason. So like just like you, I would probably slot us uh, behind Oregon. well, I don't know. like I, I have a real issue with people who love Oregon so much. like
0: I, I, I do too, but I also I
1: mean, I get it. but,
0: but, but here's the just the fact that uh, WSU goes to Oregon. That might, and and I, I still think WSU can beat Oregon at Oregon, but that might.
1: I mean, we've fact, done it the last two times.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, and here's the the funny you thing to me is is a lot of the Oregon hype is built around their recruiting class. Yeah. Uh But those are all freshmen, right? Like I don't like it. So and I, Herbert, but I am and buying into that hype, and and honestly. I I can talk myself myself into second now, because I mean, what has Justin Herbert honestly done to like deserve this like hype that he gets? I just I don't get it. He (laughs)
1: occasionally makes some really good throws.
0: Yeah, he definitely. He's a physical specimen. Yes,
1: and the NFL obviously thinks he's you know a future top five pick, right? So I mean, so there's that. But I I just it's 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 sort of bananas to me how. Sort of deeply ingrained, these ideas about programs get. Um, I mean, l- let's just throw out there for a sec two people picked USC to win the South, and two, p- those two people also picked USC to win the Pac 12 championship. <laughs> like, on what planet can you, like, on a, on, on a, on with any kind of intellectual integrity, pick USC to win anything, right? Other than Oh, well, the team's loaded with four and five star guys, so maybe they'll figure it out. Other than the fact they have probably the worst coach in the conference, so
0: almost certainly do.
1: <laughs> like almost, well, we don't know whether Mel Tucker's any good. So yeah, fine. well,
0: yeah, that's yeah, we don't <laughs> know if he's good, like, but the the cut the coaches are pretty stacked right now yeah
1: I mean if I'm thinking okay who's the you're best like what coach the hell the
0: are company? you doing having Clay Helton as your coach <laughs> it's, it's,
1: it's you. absolutely bizarre so anyway it's you know it, the, these things like people make these decisions the, these picks based off of okay who's coming back who's the quarterback and what's the program prestige and recruiting right I mean it's it's basically what Bill Connolly puts to his projections for S and P. He just puts numbers on all those things, right? How many people are coming back? Which guys are coming back? Is it the quarterback? That's more important. You know, whatever, what's your recruiting been for the last five years, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, but you go look, I mean, and I understand every year is its own year. And, and in fact, you know, I kind of made fun of, um, you know, John Wilner for this. Cause John Wilner picked Stanford. What do you pick him second or something like that? I don't remember, yes. but anyway, and he basically
0: it, just said, because it's Stanford, or because
1: something. every other year when they have Maybe. Oregon and Washington at home, they've finished first. And this happened like the last, whatever, three times, so the three last odd years, right? 17, 15 and 13. And I'm like, like, okay. I don't, he believes very strongly in the schedule stuff, playing home versus road, which I don't believe quite as strongly in it as he does. But at any rate, it's, it's just sort of like, you know, I look at this and I go, okay, I, 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 I could see a toss up between Oregon, Washington and Wazoo. Right. Cause if you look at the Cougs, like I I don't see any reason why they would have to take a massive step back. Now they won a bunch of one possession games last year. I get it that they may not win all, you know, if they play at the same level, they may not have the same record simply because of that. I get that their schedule is a little tougher. They got to play at Utah. They got to play at Oregon, right? Okay. They got to play at Washington. Okay, fine. But it's like, you know, have they not proven <laughs> that that they can do this? Right. Have they not proven that going to Utah is not a problem? Have they not proven that going to Oregon's not that big of a deal? Like, like, I'm not sure why, why that, that becomes such a thing. And, you know, so I, I you know, and I look at Stanford and I go, okay, great. KJ Costello was pretty good last year, except like how many times, the, like how much of that production is just throwing the ball up, you know, six, Feet nine inches into the air, where JJ Arcega-Whiteside can only catch it, you know, and he's missing his top tight end. And I mean, just like, I don't know, man. He, I, I'm, I'm not convinced he's actually that good. And I, and I could be wrong, but you know, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I got to think that I, I got to see it to before I'll believe that he wasn't a pretty significant product of the weapons around him.
0: Well, and yeah, and and then when you when you talk about WSU, like it's. It's not that hard to figure out why people are like I it's hard to pick them to win these games cuz it, it, even from our perspective it's like like okay yeah you look at at Oregon at Utah games like that and you're right. like like objectively I'm like no we're not going to win those games but the last 4 years it's just like there's only one game where you're like no we're not going to win that game <laughs> like and and so that will always be an L for me. Like uh, we'll probably do the predictions in a couple of weeks. Um but but like but now with WSU, it's just like you just kind of have to believe in the system and they're like right they, they're going to win more games than we think they are. They mm-hmm. always are. There is there hasn't been a year in the last 4 years since Leech kind of since Grinch came along since the defense has been so, like better, that where in the instance, Leach has kind of gotten the air raid in there with, you know, consistency and, and with better receivers that where it's like they don't win more than you think they're going to win. So if you think they're going to win seven this year, they'll probably win nine. So I don't, you right. know, it's like, I don't.
1: Well, and that's what sort of cracks me up about this whole exercise is that logic seems to apply to everyone else except Wazoo when these things are being picked, which is, which is sort of funny to me. Like, and again, I'm not you know, I'm not one of those people who's like the media has it out for us. Like, like that's not me at all, but I'm also just sort of like, okay, you've got this track record of Mike Leach teams. I mean, I remember reading, uh, Bill, you know, referencing Bill Connolly again, who used to write for SB nation now writes for ESPN. Um, you know, Bill. yeah, congrats Bill. If you listen to our podcast, (laughs) um, you know, I remember he wrote his preview last year. So for 2018, and that was when we were all just like I shouldn't say all, but many of us, me, me. most particularly, right, were pretty down. We were like, me "Look, well. man, there's, there's all that they've lost, all this talent, and the quarterback died, and it's like all this stuff, all these reasons why they should take a step back and and win." significantly fewer games than they had been winning and Bill Connolly writes his preview that says basically, nope, they're going to be this good because it's Mike Leach and that's what he does. And there you go. And I'm just like, you know what? And look, people who listen to this also know or or follow Cook Center for a long time also know, you know, you and I are very statistically inclined. We're very analytical. Like we love numbers. And even I was sort of like, hey, nerd, you might want to step away from the spreadsheet for a minute and kind of see the reality. Of what, you know, what has gone on with this team, right? And then lo and behold, I mean, not that anybody, you know, thought 11 wins was going to be a thing, but it's like, you know, you look at it and you go, yeah, they were exactly what Bill Connolly said they would be. They were, you know, you plug in a new quarterback and the offense is awesome and the defense was okay. And, you know, voila, you're seven and two in the Pac 12 North, tied for first and heading to the Alamo Bowl. It's like, I mean, it's funny that people look at Stanford and go, well, you know, David Shaw is such a great coach, and da, da 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 da. And I'm just like, but we've beaten them four years in a row. You know, well, Oregon, they've whatever. Well, when has Oregon, you know, when was the last time Oregon lived up to their recruiting classes? You know, oh, Washington, they've always been good under Chris Peterson. And okay, great, that's true. But in okay, case so you're giving him the benefit of the doubt, to win the the Pac-12 North because the you know Washington Oregon were basically in a dead heat in that poll, but you don't give the same benefit of the doubt to Washington State, which you know consistently outperforms whatever you project. Is it, just it, it's sort of weird to me that it seems like and and Utah by the way, let's not even get started on Utah, which is always picked like up near the top of the Pac-12 South and and finally last year won the Pac-12 South. You know it's like. I don't know. It's just weird to me that, that these narratives kind of get ingrained and, you know, Oh, Washington state, you know, they're, they only win when they have a really, whatever. It's like, no dude, we just, we just win right now.
0: Yeah. It's not, you know, they're, uh, they're, they're thinking back to, you know, the nineties and like where you know, there was cycles. WC would cycle right. into having, uh, an eight win, yep. nine win, 10 win team. And, but, but now it's just, it's we we've talked about it it's you i you've i think what you've said like in in the podcast a couple weeks ago is like the magic of leech where it's like i mean it's it's hard to it's hard to think like they're going to win less than eight games like you know it's it's hard to think they're going to win less than five or six conference games like they've they've won seven uh two of the last three years uh, that you know they've won six all four of the last year like you know all, four straight years they won at least six conference games like what are, are are they are they stepping back that much like I mean last year we thought they were stepping back this year that where's the step back you can say quarterback but as important as the quarterback is in the air raid all of us that follow it year to year over and over again know that the dip isn't that great like be, especially when the the talent around the quarterback and and you've talked about with that with costello it's like you know he lost a bunch of talent well this you know gage gabruder whoever is the quarterback is inheriting a shit ton of talent oh my gosh and and, and yeah and, like they're just not gonna have to do much and they get two patsy ass games to like play like to 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 get comfortable and and you know and maybe a a third defense like at least offensively a third right yeah i doubt i doubt
1: houston's defense is going to be any great shakes plus that game's going to be indoors so yeah what's yeah thank you for moving that game (laughs) yeah thank you for the air conditioning we appreciate (laughs) it
0: but yeah we'll get into that in a couple weeks but yeah anyways yeah whatever you know pick us fourth that's fine i don't i don't fine. care like I and don't wsu care. gets to hang it on their their wall and they get to be mad about it and and yeah. that's a part of that's a part of playing at wsu you know and exactly and if you know once like they should never pick us above third and never pick us above, you know whatever so it's it's great you know i i, I don't care like it, it except, this is for all one, stupid.
1: except for the one guy yeah i, I love you man I'd like, like to buy that person a beer. It might be a woman. I'd like to buy that person a right, beer.
0: Yeah, buy that. Buy that. I'm just playing the odds here, but yeah, yeah, it could be a woman. Yeah, Good. but yeah, I do want to. I actually really do want to know who did that. That we'll I we'll do probably do. figure it out eventually. But like, but uh, just was like, WCU's winning the conference. Like, yeah. like and not even just the Pac-12 North.
1: No, they're winning the whole thing.
0: I mean, I hope they picked UW, like, fourth, so it wasn't required that we had to win the Apple Cup to win Yeah, it.
1: <laughs> yeah I know. Like, I just kind of want to say to them, I love this, but do you realize what that requires? Yeah. Like, well, and you know what?
0: What <laughs> is did, it? When it has go back required, last season, though. What it has we were, required the last three years. <laughs> I know. We can get
1: mad about last season all over again, though, and if we'd only beat USC, it wouldn't have required that, but... Whatever. Anyway, I think Leach had the best. By the way, this this was the best quote from Leach. We we didn't oh, which, talk
0: which was regarding USC, of course. No,
1: no, this one was about um, about where they get picked. So he says, "Look, I mean, I realize everyone thinks we're going to get our head kicked in as usual. I don't expect that to be the case anymore than it was last year at this time when speculation was similar. Yeah, that's the great thing about us: is every season, everybody thinks we're going to get our head kicked in, then we don't." So everybody gets to be stunned and surprised. So it's fun for everybody.
0: It's, yes. perfect. it's perfect. He also said.
1: It's, it's more entertainment for all of us.
0: Someone, because apparently this will never die, asked about, you know, in reference to, which we'll talk about in a second. The, the officiating. officiating. So, but as a transition of that, uh, Leach was asked about um, the USC officiating. And and he said, basically, he, he didn't want to invest anymore into that.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. Um
0: shows <laughs> a good answer. Oh yeah, he, he was also asked about uh Dion McIntosh. And yeah. uh I'm
1: not sure if I'm allowed to talk about him. Yeah. Am I? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, a guy that is recently on campus that we haven't practiced yet. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to talk about him. I'd like to, but Coug fan did say earlier today that, uh, that he's expected to be good to go. They just haven't updated the roster yet. So,
0: yeah, well, the roster still had Jalen Thompson on it. Yes. They, updated, so yes. they yes. actually did an update like yesterday. He did an
1: update of numbers is all. They yeah. Did.
0: yeah. They did an update of numbers, but Which Jalen Thompson's Um, yeah. Renard bell is single digits now. I think I yeah. nine, no nine. Yeah. Gabe. Uh, Gabe marks number yeah uh, but uh but anyway so should we that, take a
1: moment to make fun of chris peterson
0: Oh uh, yeah so let's do that so uh chris peterson in his um in his media session was asked about the transfer portal and actually I should probably get the exact quote uh if we're going to make fun of it but he basically talked about um uh uh he, he, he said that, you know, the players are, he, I
1: <laughs> no we have I, to, let's just
0: him. read the exact quote. I, <laughs> yeah, I, we
1: need, we need I don't the...
0: want to misquote him. Yeah, no, so. no,
1: goodness. No, we, we don't want to be accused of, you know, of being, you know, like haters for the sake of being haters. Yeah, like we, need, so... we need the direct, the direct quote. Do you have it?
0: Yeah, I got it. So I'm old school. I really am. What I mean by that is I just believe that there's a lot of hard things. Can I add an aw and yes, that we Yes, sure, to aw kind of, Okay. An aw shucks, that we need to kind of work through to get good things at the end of the process. I think sometimes the portal is good for kids to go in there if they want to. What What does that even fucking
1: I mean? I don't even know. No, that's <laughs> – well, I can tell you exactly what that is. But go ahead and finish the quote and then I'll tell you what that is.
0: I think how this thing is heading where guys to just transfers start to get free agency – Heaven forbid. Um, I, I don't think that's good. First and foremost, I don't think it's good for the kids. Everybody wants to talk about that. I've seen too many guys, including myself, have to work through hard things where maybe you tap out or it's easier. I'm going to go somewhere else. I think it's better. It's usually not. Yeah. Hey, I'm pretty sure that uh, things are better at UW than at Boise, but I don't I don't know. I just really believe that. So... That's just kind of my feeling on that.
1: Yeah. I mean, they tap out, you know. Okay. So should we go back really quick to what the, uh, I think sometimes the portal is good for kids to go in there if they want to, oh, you know what, yeah. you know exactly what that is, right?
0: Because that's, his that's
1: his caveat. That's like, well, I'm starting a quarterback who transferred to me.
0: Yeah. He had to throw in that caveat. Yeah, Um, But we're still going to make fun of you, dude, because we know why you threw in that caveat. Like, you think that you're you're safe from criticism because you throw that in? But you still said the part where what I mean by that is I just believe that there's a lot of hard things that we need to kind of work through to get good things at the end of that process. Wait, did Jacob Eason have to work through?
1: Yeah, who had his job. He had his job taken. And so rather than fighting back like a tough guy, he transferred.
0: He, he didn't come back the next year in Georgia right. camp and try to take back that job. No, he just right. transferred to a place where the senior quarterback has just left.
1: He tapped out.
0: He tapped out,
1: tapped out. And now so he's going to lead your football team
0: now Jacob Beeson knows what his coach thinks of him.
1: I know. It's so like the the well, first of all, the open hypocrisy of chris Peterson, Saint St. Pete over there. Um, you know, we, we've sort of made fun of before he, his, you know, well-known rule of, um, if you commit to Washington and you take a visit somewhere else, they'll pull your scholarship offer, um, versus if someone is committed somewhere else and they want to take a trip to Washington, he's totally okay with that. We've talked about the, uh, the high hypocrisy of that one. Um, you know, I mean, he's just whatever, dude. He's like, everybody thinks he's, you know, ah, shucks, I'm old school. I really am. But it's just like, whatever, dude, you're the same as everybody else. Give me a break.
0: Yeah, it's. it's,
1: You're in, um, you're in it for you. Like everyone else.
0: Yeah, just, just admit it, man. Just, uh, you don't have to be like this. ah, shucks, you know, just. No, no one. You didn't have to have an opinion on it. Um, like, and, oh, I just, the part where he says like, start to get free agency which if you Oh
1: yeah. Ooh, I don't think he, that's he, good.
0: Heaven forbid oh. college athletes have agency in oh, any no, way. Oh
1: goodness, heck no. No, no, no. Now Leach actually did have some comments on that. I'll see if I can find them really. Uh quickly,
0: he his were not
1: they were entirely, pretty benign.
0: They're benign. Not entirely different than Peterson's, but uh uh, fairly benign. Um, I know, okay, this is so great, I got it. Um, okay, go ahead. How are the transfers that are coming in looking? At, oh, no, that I'm sorry. Uh, there's a lot of transfers. Yeah,
1: no, that's what he says. Yeah, he says, oh, so yeah. far, it hasn't hurt us. If we're not oh, yeah, there.
0: that's right. Yeah, so it's kind of a moving target. hasn't hurt us. If we're not careful, that portal can become a free-for-all. Uh, but the funny thing is that, you know, the, so tra- like the transfer portal, like, is it wasn't like a new like it was just I, I i mean it was it was a way to make it easier for transfers and teams to find each other but it didn't change the process well, of transfer and
1: to keep everything above board that that was the whole point was that people were like you know so and so's tampering with my player the whole you know ernie kent right you know, uh Valentine Azundu Q Johnson situation, right? Where he was like, Well, they're tampering with my guy. So this was supposed to eliminate that. Only what it's done is it's increased the number of transfers, which whatever. Some people don't like that. I think where they're having an issue is that more guys are getting immediately eligible than in the past. I think that's where it's starting to get it. But I do think it's interesting that Peterson frames it as, man, you got to be a tough guy and you got to work through some stuff. And it's a, it's a measure of your manhood. Leach, you know, and, and it becomes more about the player, right? Like deficient, you know, we've created a system that enables millennials, right? Like that's the, that's sort of the thing. Right. And Leach is just sort of saying like, well, you know, yes, but you know, maybe it's creating some unintended consequences. He says, you know, at some point we're going to have taking scholarships from somebody that doesn't have a good year and giving them to some walk on that does, I imagine. And so he's sort of envisioning a system where people are basically having scholarships yanked and handed to other people because it becomes this free for all. Um, He's sort of like, I think more referencing the disorder of it. And and I'm not saying that Leach isn't also, you know, reasonably selfish about it, but his take is a little more, you know, systemic, like, like we're kind of creating this system of, of maybe chaos, that we didn't want versus Peterson being like, man, my guys are just leaving without, you know, a problem. Leach even says like, I don't even think it's that big of a deal because the guys we've lost are guys who weren't going to play and, you know, or guys who were problems who we needed to leave anyway. So, and I don't know if you create a great place with competition, then, you know, you're going to have some of that and whatever, you know?
0: Yeah. And so, yeah. Um, Leach, uh, if we, if we want to, so where where you see Leach be taking some of that like selfish, you know, uh, you know what's making it harder for him is uh, um, uh, one reporter asked about um, if a kid decar- declares early for the draft, should they be able to come back if if they go undrafted? And he said no because uh, I don't think it's a very Leach answer. I I yeah. I, I praise anyone who transcribes Leach.
1: it's pretty good
0: no because i don't think we don't just sit around here and try to build nfl teams i don't know what that has to do with the question
1: yeah Uh, that's weird
0: i think the important thing is to build your college team and this is where it really i mean either a guy is playing college or he's playing in the nfl make up your mind that's what i think obviously that's it's a very much a non-answer um But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah.
1: he's like, either you're on the boat or you're not. And I mean, that's a very, that's a very typical college coach answer for sure.
0: But yeah, no, he's, he obviously like, he, he he wants to know he's going to be on his team or whatever. And, and that's, that's where, you know, coaches just got to admit when, when they, uh, they they just don't want things to be harder for them.
1: Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I wish they would just say that. Right like, just say, Hey, look, man. And I, and I know they, I know they won't. And I know why they won't. And I, you know, all those things, like I get it, like they'd get, you know, shredded if they did. But I just wish just one time a coach would be like, Hey, listen, man, I'm trying to build a winning football team here. And that makes it harder. You know, it's like, you know, I just wish they would, I just wish they would just say what it is instead of like coming up with contrived answers that I'm sure they believe, by the way, I'm sure Chris Peterson believes what he says. Like, I'm not calling him a liar. I'm just saying like, You know, I mean, like think about what you're saying and think about how that fits with your actions and, you know, I mean, get over yourself just a little bit.
0: Right. So, uh, we also had the opportunity today to hear from fearless PAC 12 leader, Larry Scott, Yeah. who, uh, we just love here on the podcast, just our favorite.
1: It's one of our favorites for sure.
0: Yeah. And, um, So, Jeff, I know that you uh, dug into his uh, transcript a little more than I did. Um, Now I'm not not seeing it on there like I did earlier. Um, But uh, so um, some of the big things he was asked about. Um, including the the TV deal, the revenue, the Pac-12 has fallen behind quite a bit from the Big Ten and the SEC, particularly um, in in team revenue. Um, kind of what his excuse was was that um, the Pac-12 is uh, they just signed their deal too early, and that we'll kind of have to wait till 2024 for that to catch back up.
1: I mean, I think there's some truth to that because I do, I do actually think there is some sequencing to it, right? Like if you sign a media deal, you know, one year and then, you know, two or three years later, somebody else signs theirs, I mean, it's going to be bigger, right? So, I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't think he's being totally disingenuous with that, but of course, you know, we know that, you know, the PAC 12 is just a less desirable property as a, as a conference than, uh, than, you know most of the other conferences out there so you know he's probably right about that the one thing that he did do was just basically say like yeah we're going to catch up the next time we hold all of our media rights which is a a very clear reference to them owning the Pac-12 networks versus you know when the the SEC or the Big 10 or whatever you know, whenever their media rights come up, they don't like the big 10 in particular. That's a bit, that's, that's a pretty comparable one. Um, they don't own the big 10 network. Like that's mostly, I think either mostly or half ish owned by Fox. Right. So, um, so there's, there, there's that piece. And so they may not be able to maximize stuff And any made reference to, you know, some properties and some conferences being, you know, sort of under contract until 2035 and how, you know, they're able to maybe, um, do something sooner because they own all of it. So I don't know. All I know is it turned up this amazing quote, which I'm going to read and you can marvel at. Okay. So here we go. He says, and he was speaking of the the sort of the next negotiation so here's what he said Overall, when it comes to media, I think we're all noticing there's an unprecedented shift occurring in the media landscape and in consumer habits. While this creates uncertainty, it also creates tremendous opportunity. And because we own and control all of our media rights and have all of our rights coming up in 2024, we continue to feel very good about how we're positioned for the future. While we recognize during these changing times and paradigm shifts, we've faced headwinds on distribution with the PAC-12 networks, as a whole, when it comes to media, we've got patience, and we're going to be able to take advantage of these positive media trends, new players in the marketplace, and the increasing value that we see in our rights, especially as these new players from technology and media come in and are aggressively bidding for sports rights. And I want to point out that that was not off of a script. He actually said that in response to a question.
0: Incredible. That's so. In my in my time as a as a journalist covering. Um, uh, business software like you know you you have your you have your meetings with uh uh certain people and uh whenever you got higher up the chain you could tell the the media training was far more advanced and you would just get these incredible answers to to like 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 that 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 are very much like um, totally on message answers, even when they had no idea the question you were asking. Right. Like, and and, and who knows? I don't know what question he was asked. who knows if he was answering it at all? Um, but whenever he used the phrase, a phrase like "paradigm shift" or something, right. you know, someone's just bullshitting. And uh, you know, facing headwinds with distribution rights, which means, which of course means we. Couldn't we, sign a deal with Directv. Like- <laughs> <done. laughs>
1: but it's like I, you know, it's always constantly framed as something that was outside of his control, right?
0: Yeah, I know. Yeah, it was outside of c- his control that Directv, even though he was, you know, right in there negotiating it, right? Um, but yeah, it's a so you know the the largest uh, TV provider in the U.S. They couldn't right.
1: We couldn't, couldn't get them done yeah. because of headwinds. Yeah, yeah.
0: Headwinds, you know. Headwinds. You know, I, I, you know, I, I, I like to, I like to cycle, and a headwind can be a pain in the that ass. That is
1: true. It can be. So, I mean, uh, when I've but I've been running. You know, there are times when I'm running, and I'm like, why the hell is this wind blowing right in my face? But yeah, um, yeah. I mean, there's that. So, so he said that, and I you know, and I don't think he's totally wrong in the sense that, um, you know, owning all of their properties does give them, um. You know, maybe some leverage and flexibility to to create a better deal, but you know it, it, you know it sounds like an awful lot like he's banking on someone like Netflix or Hulu or Amazon or somebody to to jump in there with some streaming rights um and really pay for that. Uh, you know, I don't know i'm I'm no media expert, but that seems uh, it seems like they're throwing a lot of a lot of eggs into that one basket
0: also. Are we really thinking the money from those streaming rights for, like, Netflix and Hulu are going to compare to what ESPN and Fox are paying?
1: I mean, like, it, he's he's banking on things being different in, like, three years but, when they're but, negotiating this, which, man, I don't – like, yeah, I don't know. That seems – I mean, it really – like – like the visual, the visual that goes with what he said is somebody standing there with both fingers crossed. Like just standing well, yeah, there. Like, and that's, I hope it's different in three years. Well, you know, yeah. So
0: that's, but yeah. that, that's the thing is like his, his is the assumption in like five years that, that those new deals will be bigger than what the SEC or whatever has in place until 2035. But like, so you still have another ten years. Well, the SEC might still be raking in that giant money, and it's it's become it has it probably at that point will have become a very bad deal for ESPN or Fox or whoever. Like, it, it, I, I mean, that's probably almost a guarantee it's going to be a bad deal in the future. I, it with the the more things for people to watch like college football, that it. I, I think we've reached the um, kind of peak of the value on the contracts and so if larry is hoping that in five years that he's getting that bigger money i just don't think it. i just don't see it coming
1: well and not only that but i think i think the sec's deal is coming up before ours
0: oh, okay. and, they're, and then
1: they're actually working on it now and well and every, have... everybody agrees the sec is severely underpaid right now and so it the the deal that they sign is going to be absolutely batshit crazy, and it, what's interesting there to me is that, um, you know the the lives the the money they that these these broadcasting partners pay for live sports properties right, it's not necessarily a zero sum game, but it kinda is right. Like like if they're given you know billions of dollars to the SEC, that's less money to pay the Pac-12 right? At least in theory that they've got a certain budget or a certain number that they're not going to go above when it comes to, um, you know, paying for college, college sports broadcast. rights. So I don't know. It's definitely going to be interesting that the sec deal that's coming is going to be absolutely just crazy. And, um, it's going to be interesting to see
0: what one of the things I saw in, in Larry's quotes is he, again, like referenced that, you know, uh, we win more than any other conferences on the whole. It's like, you right. know, that shit doesn't matter with the TV rights. It doesn't matter at all. Right. Like, no no one cares if you're winning water polo championships. Like, like like pe- yes, someone cares, but I'm talking in terms of TV rights. No one's searching for the Stanford right. uh, water polo TV rights. Right. Like, it doesn't, like, stop doing that. Like, we're not idiots. Like, stop with the Conference of Champions bullshit. Like, that doesn't matter like the the like when was the last time you won a championship in basketball or football right that those in in basketball is d- dwarfs in in comparison to football when it comes to money like what like you you've had a you haven't had a college football playoff team in three years you haven't like in in since chip Kelly left Oregon or even you know in 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 the wake of that like it hasn't been a regular thing um so it's you know, it if the SEC, yeah, the SEC can get that big contract, but the Pac-12 just doesn't have the brand capital. Is is a, is a is a is kind of a term we use now. Yeah, like they just don't have it. Like right, and 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 the individual teams don't have it, especially when USC right. isn't there to you know, right. Like as Bill Moose would say, like a rising tide lifts all boats, like what he would say with the WAC football team. But, but that's really the case with the Pac-12 when the USC sucks, no one gives a fuck about the Pac-12. Like yeah. that's the problem, you know?
1: It, I don't it, know if that's going to change before the deal's not up till 2024 or 2025. Yeah,
0: it's 2024, I think. Yeah.
1: yeah. And it's like, I don't know how much you can change that between now and then. Like, Like, I mean, maybe if you win like three of the next five, you know, CFP championships or something, but (laughs) like, I'm serious, like, like what, I mean, let's just like spitball for a sec. What would it take to really, really, truly significantly change the, the, the brand capital, as you referred to it, of the PAC 12, such that ESPN Fox, whoever is going to, you know, dump a truckload of money on the conference. Like, what would it take? In the next yeah, I mean,
0: years. It, it would definitely take something like you said, like three titles. Like it, it wouldn't be even just be like um UW or whoever like sneaking in and winning a title like once. Like it would have to be um, and it would probably be most beneficial if it was USC being right. the best team. And, or, or UCLA probably. Um, yeah, but it,
1: it's you've and you've got to get eyeballs. Yeah. Right? It's exactly. about eyeballs. And so you, you not only have to be successful, but you have to be successful to the point that, you know, eyeballs are coming, coming there. And I mean, maybe if you can show some sort of extreme upward trend in that, but other than that, I mean, it, yeah, it's, I, I think they're, I think they are already screwed for this next thing. Like they're already screwed.
0: Oh yeah. It's, there's not enough time. And, and that's not even considering the basketball portion of this, where the basket, like, Pac-12 basketball has completely lost like all of its, you know, street cred. Or whatever, you know, like like it, it's just had a few years of horrible to the point where you're know, like you're you're flirting with being a one bid league. Um right. and, and and so like there there's just nothing about the Pac Twelve brand that anyone outside of, you know, the conference of champions uh bill walton rhetoric like really gives a hell like really gives a shit about like you know it's like like it, we, we like d- oregon needs to go beat auburn and oregon probably then needs to stay in the playoff conversation to the point where other teams can beat them or or they can beat other teams and stay in it because like it, you know we, and actually um in, in his interview with Mike Yam and uh, Yogi Roth, he, he, you know he directly pointed to you know Washington and Auburn last year kind of like set the, the entire season off on like a, a bad note because suddenly every single game becomes less important. And the pac 12 because the Pac12 plays nine conference games, uh, they have less opportunity to schedule games like that. And there's right. less incentive too because like you really want to put your players through another game like that. Um another, you know, like peer game, I guess, uh, with your peers. Um right. and and but like uh or like Larry Scott talked about, you know, like that he he said in some other games, but really it was Washington and Auburn that, that kind of set things off cuz it kind of eliminated Dub from the playoff talk like almost immediately. Yeah. Yep. especially after Auburn just kept losing. And and so that it's the same thing like it it's funny like uh, what Auburn was a 6 and 6 team or whatever last year and we're coming in like the Pac-12 is just hoping that our that our golden child this year can go beat them like in a neutral site which is actually way more of a neutral site yeah. than uh, than Washington got last year which wasn't a neutral site at all. No, not at all. <laughs> um that, and Larry
1: uh, Larry Scott did talk about somebody did ask him again about the nine conference games and he reiterated there's no appetite to go to eight. So but, which my guess is my suspicion on that is that that is uh, 100% tied to uh, gate for the for the teams and not paying payouts to uh, a fourth non conference opponent. And the ability to attract. So like, you know, if you're Wazoo, right, you have a hard time getting, uh, you know, a decent team to come into Martin stadium. Right. Right. So, you know, if you can't get in the theory is right, that you, you schedule a, Mid-level Power Five team is that fourth non-conference game, right? To sort of replace the conference game, except that if you win the game, it doesn't mean that someone in your conference has now lost a game, right? So everybody gets you know a chance to basically add mo- one more win to the total. Um, my suspicion is is that the the CEOs and the ads, the, the presidents, right, the presidents, chancellors, and the ads are just sort of like, nah, I don't think we want to try and schedule that fourth game. I don't think we want to try and negotiate. Payouts. I think we would rather just have another conference opponent and the the gate that comes along with um, you know the sale of those season tickets, et cetera. Although you know it would guarantee another home game in theory, anyway. So I, I don't know. It's I'm guessing that's where it's where it's coming from that they don't want to go to eight. Um, but you know, maybe someday.
0: Well, I would think that a school like WSU wouldn't want to go to eight because uh, WSU is not going to schedule a better opponent with that.
1: Right. They're not going to
0: schedule. I mean, me as a season ticket holder, I don't want another non-conference bullshit home game. Like, there's like it's enough to have Northern Colorado and New Mexico State. Like, that's fine. Like, or that one year we had five in a row, and it just was like, like just crap. Well, there was a Boise State game mixed in there, so you can get you know that occasional. But WSU just hasn't been able to land any good home and homes in a long time. And so that you know that not not even the you know the mid-level, uh, Big Ten or Big Twelve teams. Um, so I, I, I have no confidence that they could do that. Um, so at you know from my perspective, I'm like yeah i'd rather I'd rather have you know u c l a come in more often and u s c come in more often. that's right that's more interesting to me um that's beneficial to us now, you know a team like UW or or oregon or u s c um who can actually bring in great home and homes and u s c obviously has Notre Dame every single year like and um and Stanford too uh but uh they they can schedule those you know, good home-and-home matchups that we can't. So, it, you know, I could see from their perspective, yeah, we can still get a good opponent in there, but we can pick that opponent rather than – and so that would help maybe the conference overall. Of course, you have to win the games, but um, that's another story.
1: Yeah. Other things Larry Scott talked about – um, you know, he, confirmed that they were looking for a potential equity partner. So I think, I think that's the first time anybody's commented publicly on that one. Um, they did announce the Vegas bowl which is going to be the number three bowl behind the Alamo bowl and and the Rose bowl. So that's cool. Um, and even as we've been recording here, they announced the Los Angeles bowl, which is going to be against the mountain West. So we kind of knew that was coming. Um, and he said the rest of the bowl is kind of a bummer opponent for the Los Angeles. Yeah. Like it's, I'm kind of bummed out. That's not like a better bowl game, but whatever, I guess. Um, and then the, the other thing, uh, he talked about, the big thing he talked about was officiating, So, you know, I wrote a pretty lengthy story on that. Uh, you know, the big takeaways from that were that, uh, the, the, the officials were, um, sort of adequately trained or inadequately trained, uh, the supervisors above them were inadequate. The grading they were doing was inadequate. The, uh, the recruiting they were doing was inadequate, um, so there was all that. I think the big thing is, uh, and I think this is a good thing. So we maybe we can start off here. Um, the one of the big changes they're going to make is that now targeting uh, calls are going to be reviewed by one person. the The supervisor of replay officials is going to review all the targeting calls, which I think is a great. Uh, a great move because at least at least you should get some consistency, right? I mean, if it's the same guy and and I assume it's a guy, same guy making the decisions game to game and week to week, he can go, well, last week I called something like this, not targeting this week. I'm going to, you know what I mean? It's like, we're not dealing with a hundred different interpretations of a very vague rule. And I think that's actually a really good move and, and something that, you know, I think uh, other leagues have shown when you have kind of a centralized, um, review center for certain things that that's, that's not a bad thing. That's actually a good thing.
0: Right. Yeah. So, you know, that works. Of course, uh, Larry Scott had a much more positive yes, um, he spin uh, <laughs> onto, uh, he basically said, you know, it's, everything's fine. We're just as good as everyone else. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, So I, but yeah, I, but then when you dug into the report as you did, and then you shared some of that stuff with me, Uh, there was not, there not, everything was fine. There's a lot of things that you can improve on. No, no, this is the, this is
1: fine. The house is burning meme, right? Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, it's, you know, the, you know, in all they did say the PAC 12 did say they were going to accept all the recommendations that were in the, in the review. So that's, I mean, that's good. Right, like, and and there was some transparency here too. I mean, obviously, I think I think it's probably pretty likely that the Pac-12 had sort of a hand in crafting the <laughs> crafting the the report, the 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 executive oh, yes. summary of the report. But yes, but. This is the sort of thing that they would not have made public in the past. They are pretty infamous for being pretty secretive. And so to make the executive summary, some of which is, is not flattering. I mean, let's just, let's be real. It's not flattering at all. I mean, there's, there's some of these things like hiring and recruiting quote, the PAC 12 is the only power five conference without an affiliated group of five recruiting and training partner for officiating often called a pipeline, which is a major weakness. And then it's things like the clinic does not provide the officials with sufficient training, (laughs) you know, and then uh, officials do not have. Adequate personnel resources with whom to consult at the Pac-12 regarding rules and mechanics, and then oh, this is my favorite one. This is by far my favorite one. The current ranking system was, uh, or sorry, the current ranking system of officials is too dependent on subjective measures. Fitness is overemphasized in the evaluation of the officials. I'm just like, wait a second, we're like, we're like grading our officials based on fitness and not whether they actually make calls correctly. Like, I'm just. <sighs> but anyway yeah, there's there's there, like there's on a whole the football bunch
0: of stuff, field yeah. there's like the back judge or maybe like my there's a couple guys yeah, that there's a couple maybe guys have, have to run, run. Yeah. but uh, most of them don't have to like is they,
1: that big of a deal i mean is the is that the most important thing or is the more important thing to get the calls correct and know your rules
0: yeah exactly so. um which we've seen uh, them get confused about in the past uh, such as, you know, some clear targeting. Yeah. But, um,
1: so the, the big big conclusion was this an intentional increase in turnover may lead to an enhanced recruitment of high quality talent, which sounds like to me, like you need to fire some of your officials.
0: Exactly. That's what they're saying. Like get rid of these guys. But Larry Scott says, everything's fine. That's what they're, we're, we're being, we're being, uh, he he said uh in his interview with Roth and yeah I mean, he's just like we're being transparent cuz that's what we have to be these days
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're going to kill us if we're not transparent but- i don't know they they did say they would take all the recommendations so this was one i don't know it's going to be interesting to see if they um if they actually do follow through and look the the reality is on all these things too it's going to be years before we see you know, before we really see the fruits of this stuff. So, uh, you know, most of it, I think the replay targeting stuff that should improve immediately. Um, but the rest of it, I mean, it, it's going to take two, three, four years. I mean, if we're talking about recruitment and training and whatever, I mean, it's, you know, and turning over officials, I mean, that's stuff that takes years. So, you know, who knows if they'll actually do it, who knows if it'll get better. Um, you know, they could say, Oh yeah, we're totally doing it. And three years later, they still suck. And we just go, you know, whatever. I mean, it's, you know, so that, that was the gist of what, of what Larry Scott covered though.
0: Yeah. And then, uh, Pac-12 championship game is moving to Las Vegas in 2020, yeah, which we all knew
1: was highly likely. Right?
0: Yeah. Uh, well, it was initially reported that it would be in LA in 2020. Yeah. That was that,
1: like two nights ago And that, but <laughs> it's
0: 2020 time. and 2020 it's going to Las Vegas. I'm yeah. sure it'll stay there. I don't think yeah. it'll move. It
1: makes the most sense for yeah. it to
0: stay you have there. The, you have the, I mean, the, the, the conference tournament's been more successful there um, than it was in LA I think um, you know maybe not having it on Friday at 5 p.m would be helpful yeah uh, but in Vegas that would matter less way less um, but way 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 less way less than in in the like in the freaking bay area
1: yeah in,
0: <laughs> but uh,
1: I mean you can actually get to things in Vegas
0: well and they and have the plus a billion
1: like, taxis and ubers and whatever
0: plus like if people are people are going in to go to the game in Vegas and they're probably going to be staying on the strip and and it's going to be it's it's funny. I, I think I saw uh Larry Scott or someone said like it's clo- the stadium's going to be close to the airport I'm like everything's close to the airport and not like <laughs> that's true like that's that's the beauty of las vegas you just get in the car and you're there like it's not like like they they that's like one of that they're in san diego it's like the closest airport to the actual area of the city you're going to yeah but yeah so that's
1: good this should make it infinitely easier to go on a moment's notice though i mean it really
0: yeah so many i mean you have i mean there's a ton of flights into the bay area obviously But, uh, Vegas is just much easier to find hotels, much easier to find everything. Like it's, um, it's, yeah, that's, it's going to be way, and and probably a much more exciting trip than going to Santa Clara. Heck yeah. Cause it, you know, they would say Bay area, but you weren't in San Francisco, you were in Santa Clara. Like it, if you were staying exactly. in San Francisco, you were traveling a long way to get to driving the game.
1: a long way to the game. And it's so I, I think the only potential downside is that the loser of the game could potentially end up right back in the Las Vegas Bowl. So I think that's that's very, probably very likely. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, we, we would hope it wouldn't be likely, you know, but uh, I mean, it's it's obviously possible. But it would have
0: happened. It would have happened this year.
1: Yes. Yes, it would have. <laughs> it Utah, would have. Yeah, Utah, that's
0: true. What was the yeah. third bowl this year? But, but
1: on the bright side, like like on the good side, then you just go, but you're going back to Vegas. And does anybody really need their arm twisted to go to Vegas twice in a month?
0: Yeah. And, right. And well, especially, you know, it a, a lot of the conference has a very easy trip to Vegas. A lot of the conference can drive to Vegas. Right. Yeah, you're Utah, Southern California, LA schools, so. Arizona schools.
1: Yep. That's true. All very for close. For them, it's like a, it's like a drive to Pullman for us for yep. a lot of them. So, yep. Yep. So that's good. So that's all good. They, that's a good move by the conference. Uh, finally fixing that problem. Um, so yeah. Anything yeah. else we're missing? Larry Scott?
0: No, I think we're good. Uh, we've picked stuff. on him enough. We've
1: picked yeah, him. Yeah.
0: Maybe. Uh, but uh, it wasn't all bad. It wasn't all. It wasn't all bad. Doom. It's true. I th- I think that the the bowl, the bowl lineup will be way better once we get lost. Fe- the less upgraded Las Vegas bowl and upgrade. Like I I think um, because yeah, like right now having Alamo Bowl, um, and then down to Holiday Bowl, like. I I you got it it kind of feels like at this point for a lot of the schools like the Holiday Bowl as great as it is like has gotten a little stale and especially since the Qualcomm yep. or whatever the stadium's called now is is a piece of crap like it's yep. just a giant piece of crap like yep. when I, when I went there in the first Holiday Bowl that we went to against Minnesota or not the first but the first recently like it was just like you after all the like you you're like Martin stadium is way nicer than this. Like everywhere is nicer than this. Like, what is this dump? Like, and, and it kind of had to move down the rep, the list because of that, even though San Diego is still a great place to go to a bowl game. But, um, but yeah, so uh, you move it down, then you maybe get a different set of teams are going and whatever. but um, but yeah, so, yeah. So I, I think we've recapped uh, back to all of media day enough. Like, who knew you could talk an hour and 15 minutes? Look at that. Of, See, concepts. they're
1: laughing at us. We started the podcast saying it's useless, and we just talked about it for over an hour.
0: Yep. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. I I think that's probably pretty good. We could probably wrap it up Yeah. Um, we, <laughs> usually, we talk about by kids or whatever. Uh, yeah. I rode I wrote STP. Uh, I did 200-plus miles of bike riding. Yeah, and, you do. Uh, I got back on the bike for the first time today, so that was my...
1: Well, that's good. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Way yeah.
0: to go. My butt had healed finally. So finally. Yeah.
1: Your poor but, butt.
0: My poor butt. Two hundred miles butt. on a bike seat not fun. No but thing. yeah, so that that's that's it's my life.
1: Uh <laughs> yeah.
0: So you you're out, you, you got your you're living your summer, summer. That's right. Else.
1: I'm I'm busy. Yeah, my my summers these days have just become a series of house projects. We're in the middle of having our pool redone and uh we also are painting our house. So I spent yesterday reinforcing my deck and I I spent four hours drilling screws into my old deck, which had been put together with nails. And that was, uh, that was not going so great lately. So yeah, now I'm going to, as soon as we're done recording, I'm going to probably head outside to do some caulking. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm going to get ready to head to, uh, a uh, soccer match. Is that sounds more fun. Go to quite a lot and uh, drink all the, all the free cooers I can.
1: And I'll, that's a lot actually.
0: Yeah. You I'd, can drink a lot of free cooers
1: coming next week on podcast. Drink it as cold everyone, as possible. How much cold Coors Light did Craig drink at the Tacoma Defiance? We're definitely going to answer that next week. It probably won't
0: be a disappointing low number. No,
1: no. Uh What else should we tell them? Hey, Subscribe
0: yeah subscribe, subscribe. please subscribe we love if the subscriptions can,
1: uh, if you can give us a five-star review that helps other people find us that's cool if you uh, don't want to give us a five-star review screw you
0: yeah please please give us a five-star review or just don't review us
1: yeah i think that's, um, um, that's the but just you give don't, us don't have a five-star anything star nice to review
0: say. out of a favor just a favor to us
1: yeah i promise we will we will uh, make it up to you in some completely undefined way in the future
0: At some completely
1: undefined time.
0: Thank you all of you who have seamlessly made the transition to the new podcast feed.
1: Yeah. If you have questions, you can send us emails.
0: Yeah. I haven't checked it in a a week or two.
1: It's called... uh, pod 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 versus everyone pod vs everyone or is it podcast vs everyone it's
0: it's the whole thing podcast okay podcast vs
1: everyone at at gmail.com yeah send us an email find us on twitter that one is pod vs everyone and i think that's everything
0: yeah um thanks guys i mean it's almost camp time i think we'll have one more nonsense podcast and we will be ready to go
1: hooray all right craig Go Talk Cougs. To you later. Go kooks.